not really worth the money that I spent. For the first time in my life, I nearly left the game at half time. Not good enough, Eddie. In a word, shocking. You've got to try and win. You can't get the ball out. Hello everyone and welcome back to TW2, the home of rugby here in Great Britain. And uh, we're bringing you our second episode. Uh, it's our first episode of massive, groundbreaking news, hot off the press. And that is that Eddie Jones has been fired. The English Rugby Union have given him the boot as the head coach of the England men's team. And now the search is on for his replacement. This comes after what has probably been the worst kept secret in uh, in English rugby for the past 12 hours, ever since we discovered that Wayne Pivak was going to be replaced by Warren Gatland in Wales. The uh, big question was whether or not Eddie was going to keep his job through to the World Cup, and we now know that he will not be. Eddie Jones is now jobless, and in a statement from the RFU, Bill Sweeney, the RFU CEO, has said it is important to recognise the huge contribution that Eddie has made to English rugby, winning three Six Nations championships, one Grand Slam and taking us to a World Cup final. He has provided the panel with astute insight and meaningful lessons that will support the team performance going forward. Eddie himself said, I'm pleased with much that we have achieved as an England team and I look forward to watching the team's performance in future. Many of the players and I will no doubt keep in touch and I wish them all the very best in their future careers. And James Price, the first question, is this the right decision? For me, I don't think it is. Um, and there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different factors to think about in this uh, in this decision. He's, by the sounds of things, he's lost the fans. That's obviously true. And that sounds really cliche and really boring. But, I mean, Fergus, you've spent some time in the pubs around TW2. And the the absolute consensus is that Eddie was not the man for the for the fans. The, other, the consideration is, though, based on what we've heard, from what I've heard anyway, you guys might have a different opinion, but it seems that he was still the coach for the players. They had a lot of belief in him as someone to take them through to the World Cup. You can debate whether focusing on the World Cup is the right thing or not, but based on what we've heard from the players, they were all bought in to what he was trying to achieve. No one's trying to justify that losing all of these games in the manner that they've been lost was right, but I think he was probably the player's man and still. I think the thing about the players is interesting mainly because the ones that have come out and supported him have been the main leadership group. Um, Ellis Genge um, came out and spoke in the media um, quite um, aggressively saying that they should keep him. Um, I don't know whether, though, the players, maybe on the outskirts of the squad, um, agree with him. They, they've had a core of players that have stayed the same um, throughout his tenure, but there's been a lot of um, change in the squad. I think um, Imo might have some stats around that, but I'm not too sure. Um, it seems like they've created a culture where you get brought in, you, you're tested, and if you fail that test, you're removed pretty quickly. And I think if you're a professional rugby player, that probably hurts your ego a bit and it can spread discontent. I think before we go on any further, I think we should just say that uh, Richard Cockrell uh, has been named as the interim head coach. So obviously, from my perspective, the former Edinburgh head coach, he's been all over the Gallagher Premiership as well. Most recently, one of Eddie's right-hand men inside inside Twickenham, inside HQ, as uh, as you English folk call it. Um, 
but Imo, I think whether or not it's the right decision, whether it's the wrong decision, I know you've got your own views on that. But why do you think why do you think the RFU have decided now we're going to get rid of him, even though Eddie's known for his World Cup success? I think it's partly saving face. If you look at the reaction of the England fans after the South Africa game and kind of the New Zealand game and what was going on, I think the RFU had to do something. And I reckon the more they've looked into it seriously, the more they've probably uncovered and decided that that's the best way forward for them. Yeah, I think it's massively a saving face type of thing. And also they were at risk of keeping him after this autumn, doing disastrously in the Six Nations and the World Cup and then kind of saying, why didn't you act sooner? I think that was a massive, well, obviously I don't know, I wasn't on the panel, but that was probably a, a massive impact in them making the decision now is to kind of kind of crisis management going ahead to next year. I was just going to say, I couldn't, literally couldn't agree more with what you're saying, Imo. And um, I think the reason that's so troubling for a lot of people is the fact that Bill Sweeney in particular and the RFU have backed Eddie to the hill over and over again and said, you're our man for the 2023 World Cup. We get to this point where it's now, a, a, there's a choice between having continuing that loyalty to Eddie or uh, basically ensuring their public image. Their public image has taken a little bit of a bashing in the last couple of weeks, especially with the, uh, the old DCMS hearing that happened last week that we spoke about on the previous pod. Go and listen. Yeah, I don't know if you talk about their public image. Was it a right rugby decision is the question I ask and how many decisions are the RFU making in this kind of a way where they've backed, backed, backed and then boom, they make a U-turn. And I don't think it's a rugby decision because if you look at where England are going with the World Cup, yes, um, Cockrell has been in the in the mix with England and he probably knows what en um, Eddie was planning. The question is they've got less than 12 months to the World Cup and they only have the Six Nations and somebody wants to put their hand on that squad if you're a coach to make sure that your team is in the right space. Does he have the amount of time? I don't think so. And I think the best chance, I think most teams are smiling without Eddie there because they're like, we can give England a go, you know, because he's the mastermind of many victories over big teams over the years. So I think the bigger teams are, I don't think Farrell is going to lose sleep without Eddie not being there. I think as well, in terms of the rugby decision thing, there, I was expecting there to be a big uptick in England performances, um, maybe not in the Six Nations, but going into the World Cup purely because we know that's the plan. We know that he's holding stuff back. We know that... Um, it worked in 2019 and to not see that through, it makes me worry more about how England are then going to do in the World Cup because they probably can't use that information that Eddie was holding back because it's probably in his head rather than written down on paper. And if it is written down on paper, they're definitely not going to have um, access to it now. No, that'll be in uh, Eddie Jones' special red little notebook that he keeps tucked away. I suppose just before we get onto his replacement, Almost look if you look back on Eddie Jones's legacy though, he he came in at a time when England hosted the World Cup back in 2015. It was a home World Cup for them. They didn't even get out of the the group stages. And I think what he did to that team and took them all the way through to the World Cup final four years later, I thought was phenomenal. I think the Six Nations trophies that he's won along the way has been brilliant. And I think that's what his legacy has to be. He came in and he delivered trophies. Um, he, he won, he had huge success for England. Yes, things have tailed off, but we'll never really know if this little down period, this slump England were having, was all part of the big plan because we'll never get to see him 
coach at England at the World Cup. So I think you can give a pretty full idea of what his legacy is, but we'll never quite we'll never quite know, I suppose. In terms of legacy, uh, you're only as good as your last game. I don't believe that he is, but that is the perception, is that you're only as good as his last game. So unfortunately, I think there will be, at least for the short term, there'll be a little bit of um, um, negativity around how he feels. But f- for me, I was reflecting on this last night. Um, and if you just think about what Eddie did when he came in, like you were saying, after a pretty dismal, stale performance in that 2015 home World Cup, he came in with like a swagger, a confidence, um, a, a fresh charisma that England was so desperately calling out for. Um, he never made a press conference dull. Um, he won the, the right the, to, or to um, be called Eddie and Eddie alone, and everyone knows who he was. There's one other man in this in this country who's referred to only by his first name, but we don't speak about him, <laughs> the former resident of number 10. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see your, the cogs whirring yeah, yeah. in your head. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I think there probably will be a bit of negativity for the short term. I don't necessarily agree that the um, his legacy is only to do with his last um, game. I mean, I think if you look at most people who've had a career as good as Eddie's, it um, ultimately comes to where their peak was. And maybe that is losing in the final, but the, some of the rugby that they played in those tournaments was the best I've ever seen England play because I don't really remember 2003. But that, yeah. Um, Imo, if you were Eddie Jones right now, uh, you've just been sacked. What's the first thing you're going to go and do? I'm going to go on holiday. I don't know what Eddie likes to holiday, but... Probably somewhere expensive. Nice payout of his contract. Maybe the Maldives or somewhere. That's what I'd do. Yeah, check out what Maldives rugby has to um, offer. Caleb, what, would, what are you doing? You've just been sacked by England rugby after a terrible autumn nations. What are you up to? Yeah, you've got a million pounds there. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on, on the fine print in that contract. If I'm allowed to... <laughs> play with the other boys on the other side, then definitely if I'm Eddie, I'm doing what he did in 2007. Look for a team that's needing his services on a consultancy basis. Um, I know a certain Warren Gatland might need some support. <laughs> um, well, imagine that. Yeah, imagine that. That would be huge. So I think England have lost lots of rugby IQ with, AB, with, with Eddie going. So if I'm Eddie, calling some of my mates up, we need an attack consultant because he's, he loves a good World Cup, doesn't he? Damn right he does. Damn right he does. Um, so obviously that brings us on to who is going to be replacing him, Imo. And obviously the big name on everyone's lips is Big Steve Borthwick. Yeah, and funnily enough, I think Eddie gave Steve his first like coaching role. So it would be a bit full circle. Um, I saw Rugby Inside Line say, and I kind of have to agree with it, it would be funny if Steve just turned around and said no. Can you, can you do that? Can you say to England Rugby, I'm not taking the head coaching job? you can they're not going to force you to but I I think Cocker will be fine in the interim we obviously don't know how long the interim is I heard reports that they're going to announce Steve by the end of the week but you obviously don't know when that's going to be starting from I think Cocker obviously you are not too much of a fan for him from his Edinburgh days but he went from kind of assistant coach to head coach with a kind of interim period at Leicester um, and he did right there he coached people like Manny through that so knows them quite well um I've said it before and I say it again I really don't want Steve to 
start now. I think it would just be a, a kick in the teeth to put him in now. And then if they do badly, I don't think it's going to be Steve's fault, but I think that will be the legacy that goes with him. I think it would be nice to see a, an interim, if it's Cockrell or someone else, until the end of the World Cup and then a fresh start for Steve. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be the man for the job. I don't think he'll do a bad job at it. It's just the timing. I don't think it's quite right for him. Yeah, and I suppose, Caleb, that segues on quite nicely to Mr Warren Gatland. To be honest, we don't need to spend a huge amount of time talking about Wales because I mentioned that uh, Eddie going was the worst kept secret for about the past 12 hours or so. Um, Wayne Pivak getting sacked was the worst kept secret ever. Uh, as soon as he lost um, his final game for the Autumn Nations, it was like, right, he's going, but when is he going to go? Uh, and Warren Gatland uh, coming in. Do you think, though, this is just Wales papering over the cracks and do you think the whole thing's just going to implode after the World Cup next year? I, I think Warren Gatland will obviously try and save the situation. Wales are definitely trying to do a helicopter job in trying to save their rugby. But they also say something interesting in their press release. They say it's not a short-term kind of planning. It's a, um, it's a long-term sort of goal looking forward to the 2027 World Cup. And I'm like, so why did you let Warren go in the first place? An interesting conversation. What happens to Lions now? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure when he steps down as head coach, he becomes the director of rugby. So like I said in the last podcast, if you want to go and listen to it, um, <laughs> he, uh, he will um, become a sort of overseer rather than the day-to-day -day operations man, which I think is probably best because they absolutely ruined their own union by just letting him go without any planning forward. Yeah, and it's interesting what they say, the way he used to operate before he actually left was he came up with a strategy and guys like Rob Howley and all of his assistants would do the actual on-field coaching and then he would select the side. So I think listening to Jamie Roberts last night saying they're very happy having Warren back as as Welsh people in terms of their rugby and they're, they're interested to see what he will do. So he, the man clearly loves being in Wales and I don't think he wants to leave ever again. Um, I think just to close off on, on Eddie and possibly the, the podcast then, um, I think it's a bit of a, a sporting cliche, a rug, rugby cliche that you have to leave the jersey in a better place than you found it. I think it's undeniable, whatever you think about him, that he has done that. Um, and there's a, I, I was looking over some, old, some of his old press conferences for some, uh, for some inspiration for some of his funny quotes. Uh, and I found one, it, it was after we beat South Africa in 2018, that one where Owen Farrell should have got sent off for that shoulder on Estes. And, could be any game. Huh? Could be, yeah, could be any game. Um, but he said with a big beaming smile, and I'm not going to do the accent, um, talking to the media, you guys want to sack me. If I stay long enough, you're going to get me sacked. So one day you'll be happy. I must say, I'm not happy today. <laughs> well, today is that day. Eddie Jones has been sacked. But the big question for England rugby is, will there be a Steve Borthwick-shaped parcel underneath the Christmas tree this year? Uh, we probably have a few days to find out, and we'll be waiting for that news with bated breath. But from all of us here in TW2, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow for normal service of the TW2 podcast. <laughs>